Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Wright here with my friend Tim Beadle, who is still flexing his wings as new pastor of disciple making in his church. How's that all going, Tim? Yeah, I'm fluttering a lot uh, just because uh, I, I got to preach a couple of weeks ago. I've had this role for two months, um, but what does that mean? So I, I preached the sermon, The Cost of Following Jesus uh, from Mark chapter 8. It wasn't a very dynamic passage because it talks about how Jesus saw the crowds and he wanted to get on a boat and get out of there. And then, and then two guys come up to him and say, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, you know, foxes uh, don't have holes. Well, foxes have holes and birds have nests. But I, the Son of Man has nowhere to, to, to lay his head. And then uh, another guy says, I want to follow you. But first I have to go bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. It's like, you guys leave me alone. He's not being very seeker sensitive there. No, he isn't. He, he's being... Uh, Follower selective, that's what I would call it. Because Jesus also gave these hard sayings. Um, But I called people, I didn't call them out, I called them up. Uh, And I think in a previous podcast, we talked how Jesus calls us friends, and a friendship means there's a common interest in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, we all know the cost that Jesus uh, gave, he gave his life for us. But but what does it cost us? And I, Mm -hmm. I challenge people with the saying, uh, is what you're living for today worth Jesus dying for 2,000 years ago? Oh, and yeah. that, that catches attention because it mm-hmm. makes you think. And and when you think, and that's always a good posture to have from time to time, I call people to obey his commands, to honor him, not because we have to, but because we want to. And the command is to become a disciple maker based yeah. on the great commission, the co-mission, with all authority, with all the assurance that he's going to be with us. But uh, our part in it is that we have to agree we want to step up and get involved. So mm-hmm. the last few weeks, you know, it's a rather large church. Last two weeks, I've had my little booth in the lobby. And uh, uh, at last count, I think it's almost close to exactly 100 people have signed up, uh, either wanting to become a disciple maker or wanting more information about what that means. Mm, so wow. the next question is, what do you do with 100 people who sign up on Sunday? Uh, so the, the first thing I did is I sent them all a an email that I personalized to each person just saying, God's going to bless you because you've made a step forward in obedience. Hmm. But uh, why did you sign up? Why did you sign up? And also, uh, do you have any experience in this? Because I I need to find out um, who I can uh, rally around in terms of potential leaders. But there's a lot of people out there who wrote back, probably got two dozen people who wrote back, and they're just talking about, well, two or three things. Number one, they're, they're just, they're bored in the church. Hmm. They said, there's got to be something more than this. And I think the message on uh, disciple making, which is when the orientation of your spiritual life shifts from a focus on you uh, or me to we or to others. Hmm. So they just said, I need help getting out of this rut. Someone else said, I, I don't know where I fit in the world anymore. Because the world seems so anti-church, anti-Christian. How can I live for Jesus in the world? And the third the third group were, I suck. I suck at witnessing. I really need help to hone some skills 
to be relevant and not to make it sound like I'm reading a script from someone else. Hmm. So those are the three big camps wow. uh, that I'll be. And so in, in my study and in my, um, well, I'm just praying a lot these days because, man, I think I'm only going to get one chance at really rolling this out and trying to make an impact in the church. Hmm. And as I've been praying, uh, the Lord has told me, that's the start of it all, Tim. It's prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so in my, I'm sending out this letter every every week. So in the second letter, it said, uh, it all started there when Jesus said in Matthew nine, after he had grieved over the condition of the of those around Jerusalem as a you know sheep without a shepherd, and he says, you know, ask or pray to the Lord of the harvest that mm. he would send out more workers. So. So praying to the Lord of the harvest, obviously there's two things going on there that uh, it isn't our harvest, it's the Lord's harvest. Yeah. Uh, this is on his heart. The Father heart of God is preoccupied. That's why he sent his son that no soul should be lost. The Holy Spirit is drawing all people to Jesus. But also um, there's our part that, that uh, we are to be commissioned into this, which we are, but we have to be participants and I don't know about you, but my default is, okay, what do I have to start doing? Where do I go? <laughs> and, exactly. Uh, I think we're learning we have to stop and just be committed to pray. Pray to the mm-hmm. Lord of the harvest, to be still, to know his heart. Uh, how does that resonate with you, Darren? Yeah, no, this is all good, Tim. I, what I want to do is I want to go backwards and just overlap with some things you've said and bring yeah. it right back to where you just landed please there. Please you, please. Know, you, you were talking Mark 8, and I, you know, there's fewer passages, I think, that are more challenging to 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 the whole idea of, of being attractional. Like Jesus was calling people to a mission, and that was his priority. He was, he was you know, high filter mechanism there. I don't know if I ever mentioned to you before that Mark 8, 34 to 38 is the very first passage I ever memorized on my own. I was I was reading through one day and I came to it and Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take yeah. up his cross and follow yeah. me. Yeah. You know, and it goes from there. And when I read that, it was like, this is relevant to anybody who wants to follow Jesus. Yep. It's whoever. And he's not talking, it's not the, the same as, you know, whoever wants to get saved. It's people who are already believers who want to follow him, it seems. And, and so for me, I memorized that, and it's really been a, a passage I've come back to many times in thinking through. And, and for me, as we talk about disciple making, there's a dying that takes place, yep. you know, to our own agenda. When we take up the mantle of, of, of striving to be with the Lord's help, a disciple maker, that's you know, right. so that, that's one thing that struck me as you're going forward. You also mentioned about people, you know, being bored in church and bored in their Christian life. And I, I think several years ago, you probably recall you know, Willow Creek boldly re- did this reveal survey yep, right. where they shared and said, hey, the longer a person is in the faith, the less satisfied they are with this church. Yeah, right. uh, You know, and, and they, re- you know, they realize, you know, we're dealing with a lot of people at the front end, but we're not really developing them. And there's a hunger that people have, you know, to, to do something more, to be something more in the Christian life versus just going through the, you know, the weekly cycle, the weekly hamster wheel of church programs. Yep. They actually a certain number, a certain percentage anyway, want to do something significant on mission. And so, you know, when I hear that, that's that's fertile ground for disciple making. Yeah, when you have people who are saying that. And then you also mentioned about work. I did an interview, Tim, and 
this would maybe be a separate discussion sometime. I called up a fellow I haven't talked to for over a decade. And when I knew him, he was a young adult out of high school. Him and a, another group of young adults had gone through a fairly significant revival, a group of about a dozen of these young adults, significant, just complete giving over their lives almost en masse to the Lord. Uh, they were involved in leading a youth group and leading it super well and seeing amazing things happen. And uh, I hadn't seen him for over a decade. I was wondering, how's he doing? You know, since then he's been married, he's had kids, yep. he's, he's he, you know, he's moved out into the, you know, moved jobs a couple times, I think, since then. So I, I contacted him and said, hey, can we have a chat? I just want to catch up with where you're doing and what's going on in your heart and your life. And I was really seeing what's happening with this, you know, er, you know, early 30s person who I know a decade ago was completely on fire. Well, and the good news, Tim, is that his heart is still exactly where it was. You know, yeah. he's still passionate. He still wants to move ahead. Challenges, of course, with, you know, the energy expenditure of preschool children. We can relate yeah. to that. But the one thing he said that kind of stuck out at me and I've bumped into several times is integrating faith, his belief system with his work yeah, and, and not knowing how to live it out. Like, is it just, I go to work and make money and then I go to church and the sense of needing to integrate it. And that's where I think disciple making kicks in. And as you talk about the need to pray as at the front end of disciple making, whether in a group context you're doing or individually, it's like, okay, Lord, here's who I am. Here's where I am. What next? Yeah. What's the next steps? And that kind of brings us back to where you were, the need to really get the Lord's specific direction for specific situations and contexts that we find ourselves in. Yeah. You know, praying to the Lord of the harvest, um, you know, it's a profound prayer because mm. if you want to become a harvest worker, it means that you need to, well, first of all, you have to love the harvest. Mm. You see the benefit of reaping the harvest, but also you realize uh, there might be a bit of training involved to become a harvest worker. You, you don't just yeah. don't go out there. And, and also, ideally, uh, it was about calling workers hmm. uh, into the harvest field and therefore um, a strategy of working together. Uh, yes, we may be in our own situations at work or school, play wherever. Yeah, But it's good to be tethered to a, a smaller group of oh. like-minded, like-hearted individuals who too are praying for a harvest. And uh, I, I think that might, might reflect some of the things that you're doing with 12 churches that it's, it's wonderful to be part of a church family, but isn't it more even wonderful to be part of a, a kindred spirit group where mm -hmm. you are not only praying for the harvest together, uh, but you're probably holding each, each other accountable in terms of, well, uh, how did it go in the harvest field this week? And yeah. uh, at some point, uh, there is going to be some fruit because you, the purpose of going into the harvest field is that you're going to reap fruit. And uh, that, that's all part of be fruitful and multiply uh, from way back when. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, so I, I'm, I'm in the midst of feeling the weight of that prayer. Hmm. Uh, we all know that, the, the, you know, there's so many people yet to find Jesus and that breaks the father's heart. Hmm. Does it break my heart? Or to what extent does it break my heart? And rather than just pray earnestly and and wait, uh, this this is a call to action. Mm. Uh, but in getting up and getting on, sometimes you have to stop and reflect and understand the bigger picture of what it means to be a harvest worker. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, Tim. You know, we look at that 
that that prayer for the harvest in context in both Matthew and Luke, you know, especially in Luke, the way it's framed up, he moves from the call to pray to sending them to go, right? One, like, right, that's the next thing, you know, in, yeah. in, in Luke 10, you know, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's verse two. And then verse three, go, I'm sending you. I know, it says go, exclamation mark, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so for me, it's like, it's, it's, uh, the context is so, you know, important in scripture there. And, and as we, I believe, as we intercede, as we pray, Lord, do something about these challenges, whether in your context with these hundred people who want to explore disciple making or with people in our neighborhood who need to come to know the Lord, that as we pray, Lord, you know, you do what you, you know, do something, Lord, in this situation, send out workers. And then there's a good likelihood that at least in part, part of the answer is going to be his voice back to us saying, hey, you know, you're part of the answer. I, I'm sending you. And that's where, you know, I think we can count on him, as I mentioned earlier, Tim, to give us very specific direction for those unique yeah. challenges that we face. I, I've sure seen that in our life and in the different ministries we've had where he gives not just, you know, general principles, but very specific direction as yeah. needed. Yeah, and if you look there in that Luke passage, Luke 10, he says go. But but he gives them a lot of instructions and guidelines oh, yeah. and things like that. And today, you know, some of those things might be more cultural, but there is one uh, one thing he says, go, go and find a person of peace, hmm. uh, someone whose maybe heart has already been prepared. And I think uh, in the modern-day disciple-making movement, uh, the finding that person of peace is still one of the principles of uh, finding somewhere with someone to start in terms of cultivating a relationship, sowing seeds. You know, a, a couple chapters before uh, in, in Luke, you know, the disciples had, had heard a lot of parables, a lot of teaching on the kingdom. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier in uh, Matthew, where he talks about the, the parable of the sower, and, then, and that's there as well, you know, in, in Luke 8. And um, it all talks about, you know, there, there are different soils out there. And I think as we pray, we, we have to be sensitive uh, of the circumstances around which we enter. And mm. we don't paint everyone with the same brush. We're very sensitive to perhaps the soil of the hearer's heart. And... Um, we never water down, but we present it differently so it'll be attractive to all people based on their point of need. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the parable of the sower because, you know, that is the seminal parable, the parable yeah. that really helps us understand most other parables. And when we studied as a group here a few months ago, we, we talked about the parable of the sower and said, okay, how does the parable of the sower inform how we pray for people? Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and it gives you some really good clues on how to pray. Like we can pray about the soil. I don't, I don't know. I don't believe that the soil is necessarily fixed for a person that, that this person's hard. They're going to stay hard. You yeah. know, we we're called to pray for eyes to be opened. <laughs> you know, it talks about in the old Testament, plowing up the fallow ground. And so I know that prayer is a part of that. And then praying that, you know, if they don't, if they don't understand the enemy takes it, yeah. well, we can pray that they'll understand. Yeah. And so the parable of the sower gives a I think an excellent guideline for how we can pray for those we're working with in, in disciple making and evangelism and, and what needs to happen on the heart level. It's a, it's an excellent prayer guide, I think. Yeah. And so often we don't get to the interpretation. We just read the parable and they say, Oh yeah, I know that one and move on to the next one, but it's actually hmm. in the interpretation. 
that there be understand that the, the, those whose hearts might be equated to hard ground, they, they don't understand. And like, man, we live in a world with hardened hearts and hard ground where people, they everyone seems to have an affinity with God, but the church seems to get in the way hmm. or there's divisions in the church and that's what the public pick up on. But uh, at the basis is people need to understand that there's a loving God uh, and Jesus came to address the gulf between us. He gave his life and he gives us the opportunity for a new and more full life. Mm. Um, but uh, And then there's those who just don't grow root. You know, I'm looking around <laughs> in my church. Uh, everyone knows, can parrot off certain things, but there's no fruit of root. Uh, they, they aren't growing deeper. Uh, they're still in the infancy stage in which they're just feeding. Well, they're not even feeding themselves. They're just wanting someone else to feed them all the time. In that same reveal study that you mentioned, I think one of the outcomes was is that people have to become self-feeders yes. in the of Scripture. <laughs> and I think when you do that, that, that means that you're on the path to maturity. And you usually when you start feeding and trying to digest the Word of God, you end up doing a lot more praying as well, just because, well, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, right? After righteousness mm. for thee will be filled. So, so prayer becomes... A practice that I don't know throughout the day, I, I just find myself praying all the time, hmm. um, just inviting the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus to illuminate or to give me his wisdom. He gives generously to all who ask, you know, James 1. But, but, um, I think the posture of prayer and disciple making is so foundational that if you don't, um, really focus on uh, just creating a habit of the harvest, a habit mm. of asking mm. the God of the harvest, then unfortunately I think disciple-making uh, can turn into a make-work project where you're trying to fix people who have something wrong with them. <laughs> well, and, and Tim, as we know, we've talked in the past, disciple-making isn't just trans isn't just transmission of content. No, it isn't. You know, it, it is sharing of life. It is, it is transfer yeah. of passion. It's transfer of spiritual wisdom. It's it's transfer of even, you know, uh, giftings and callings of the spirit. It's really yeah. a, a heart level thing. And so it can't just be clinical, sterile. Right. It needs the, you know, the spirit of God to breathe life into our disciple making. Yeah. Even if somebody's already a believer, That's you right. know, the, the, the spirit needs to be at work bringing life to this. And, and I would say even, you know, keeping us from falling back into a performance mentality and that we can do it in our own strength mentality, you know, and prayer is one of the most, uh, to me, it's, it's both humbling, you know, fasting and praying is, is an act of humbling, but it, 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 it just reminds us of our need for God. And when we are humble, we pray. That's what I find. Prayer is, prayer is a function of humility and it, yeah. and it keeps us, I think, on the right track. You know, as as we you know move towards landing here, Tim, you mentioned as we were talking before about the Kansas City Underground, they have this phrase "extraordinary prayer and fasting." Yeah, you know that's right. the start of their their pathway, I believe, and that's really what I think you've been articulating, and maybe what you're even describing being called to in this season. Yeah. And I think that's an excellent phrase that as we look at the needs around us, both for the unreached and those who are believers who need to grow as disciple makers that we need an extraordinary sense of dependence on the Lord that shows up in that seeking of him for an enabling and a direction and a strategy That's right. that is beyond our own wisdom. Yeah. So, you know, just reading from oh, the Kansas City Underground, it's kind of a cool name. 
Um, they have something called the missionary pathway. And the first step is, as you said, the extraordinary prayer and fasting. And, and this is what they say, a prayer movement precedes every gospel movement. Hmm. New disciple making flows from the heart of God. He's the God of the harvest. So our job is simply to hear and know his voice and then join him in his work. Hmm. I think Henry Blackaby years ago says, see where God's working and go align yourself with what he's doing. This is very <laughs> exactly. similar. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. are praying to discover and discern where he is already working in order to join him rather than ask God to bless our strategies. Hmm. So uh, in this huddle, as it were, uh, when you gather with people for extraordinary prayer and fasting, uh, they discuss and implement missional prayer practices focusing on the context of people to whom God has already called you. So uh, that might be a good place to land, which is to be humbly before the Lord rather than ask him to bless our efforts for us to just make a commitment to in this coming week or in these days ahead to pray that he will reveal to you where he's always uh, already at work around you and uh, humbly go and join him in that uh, in a relational manner. Mm. Amen. That's, that's so good, Tim. Thanks for just sharing your heart, your, yeah. you know, the, the weight that you feel for these people who are want to move ahead and, right. uh, Definitely, that's a matter of prayer from from Ryan, you know, towards you as yeah. I think about that because that's a big opportunity, a big responsibility. I, I mean, I, I can can sense what you're feeling there, and it's just a uh, an amazing. It's so good that there's that many people who want to explore more, and that's you know, may the Lord give you everything you need for that. And for all our listeners, I pray that you know there's been a nugget here or or a, a catching of some passion, a yeah. desire to seek God for the what next in your situation. Yeah. Well, God bless. He's Darren. I'm Tim. And we're Disciple Makers. Join us next time. May God bless you. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.